Are we ready for the Word of God, Downport Church? We've been in the middle of a series called Presence. And over the last couple of weeks, we've been talking about how much we need the presence of God, how important the presence of God is. And, and, and in fact, last week, we, I spoke about waiting, how important it is to wait on God. And, uh, and as a part of that, we started this fast. We're in the middle of this fast. We started it last Monday. Today is day six. And we're finishing off this fast this Wednesday. It's going to be uh, 10 days into the fasting. So, in fact, Pastor Regan will let you know at the end of the service that we're going to have a prayer meeting. We're going to have a gathering right here at the hotel this Wednesday. And I think it's going to be quite powerful. So can I encourage you, if you've got plans, if you don't have plans, still be there. I believe God is going to move in a powerful way. So that's what's happening this week. Now, this morning, Pastor Leah was rostered to preach. But how many of you know when you've got some little angels running around, things change. Things change on the go. Suddenly they burst forth into different moods, into different moments. And so uh, just yesterday as we were talking, as we were chatting, uh, Leah said, hey, I actually had a message lined up. I actually had a message prepared. And, and she said, can you make sure you communicate some of these things? And so this morning it's a double act. It's a combo punch coming your way. And so we're going to continue talking about the presence. But as I'm about to speak, I want to just sort of share, share a premise uh, on the presence of God. In fact, I want to read from Acts chapter 1 verse 8. This is what it says, but you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. You shall receive power. The title of my message is Afterglow. <laughs> Afterglow. You shall receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. As I was thinking about this message, I began to think about it. And as Leah and I were talking yesterday, I began to understand that sometimes people can get confused. When, when I've been up here for the last two weeks saying, we need the presence of God. You need the presence of God. We all need the presence of God. And then you come across scriptures that say things like, I will never leave you nor forsake you. So you're like, what's he talking about? I thought God will never sort of on us. God will never pull back. Why, why, why do we need to go after the presence if God's presence is there? Uh, you know, why do we need? Because uh, the scriptures that talk about how God's presence is always there. We have scriptures like how it says in Psalm 139 verse 7, it says, where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? If I go up to the heavens, you are there. If I make my bed in the depths, you are there. So pastor, why are you talking about why we need the presence? Because my Bible says that you go to the darkest, to the deepest places, God's presence is there. Now I want to talk about quickly, as we get into the message, the three different kinds of presence in Scripture. And the first presence is omnipresence. And omnipresence is nothing but a promise. It's a guarantee. It's a guarantee that God will never leave us. God will never forsake us. God will always be there no matter how good we are, no matter how bad we are. God is around us. God is with it. God is... All, all, all around us, regardless of how far you feel from God, His presence is always there. That is the omnipresence. His presence is always there. And so I want you to know this morning that even if you feel far from God, God is near. He's near. He's always there. No matter how guilty you feel, no matter how full of sin you feel, no matter how unworthy you feel, His presence is always there. That's the omnipresence of God. The other kind of presence that we read about in the Bible is the inner presence. The inner presence. This is God's inner presence. This is when omnipresence is God's presence around us. Inner presence is sort of gives it away. God's presence within us. 
This is when that presence that is around us, that's outside of us, gets inside of us. In fact, 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 16 says, Do you not know that you are the temple of God and the Spirit of God dwells in you? Do you not know that God, you are God's temple, that you are God's, a part of, of God's creation and His Spirit, His presence lives within? Now, this is for those of us that have a relationship with Jesus. Sometimes we can read scriptures like this and think, oh yeah, it's all good, God's inside of me. It's when you receive Jesus, there's a promise that He lives within us, that He is not just around us, He's not just by our side, but He's within us and He goes with us. And this is, this is what, what we call the inner presence of God. But then what I've been talking about the last couple of weeks has not been the omnipresence, has not been about the inner presence, but rather it's been about the manifest presence, the manifest presence, the, uh, what I, I like to call it the tangible presence, the tangible presence. And what I want to do is I want to share one scripture and the way I want to explain it is by somebody that ran away from this presence. In fact, in Genesis chapter 4 verse 16, it says, so Cain went out from the Lord's presence. Now, how does that work? If God just said before that, I'll never leave you, I'm always there, how can you run away from God's presence? Because it's two different kinds of presence. Are you tracking with me? And so what we're doing in this fast, what we're doing during this time is not just checking in, God, are you there? It's not sort of going, God, are you in me? It's an inner pursuit. It's an inner drive. It's an inner hunger that says, I know you're there. I know you live inside of me, but I want your tangible manifest presence in my life. We all know that there have been moments in worship where you're just like, what was that? Was that God? Was that pizza? I'm not sure. Could be both. But you just know there was something in the room. You could not, you, could, you know, even over the last couple of weeks, if you've been coming, we've had ministry times. We've had people encountering the power of God. In fact, just last week, we were at Discovery and we had this uh, this young, young, young boy sharing that that was the first time that he'd experienced God's presence. That was the first time. I don't know what it was, but I felt the presence of God. I fell, I fell backwards. It was the presence, the tangible presence of God. Now, the reason why I'm calling this message the afterglow is because I want to talk about three things that happen to us when we experience the presence of God. Maybe you're like, I've been in the middle of a fast and it's been great. It's been amazing. But really, this, this whole pursuit of God is not just for, for, uh, for, an, for an emotion. Emotions are good. It happens. It's good indicators. But we're not fasting. We're not seeking. We're not praying just to feel high again. There are certain things that happen in the Bible when people experience the presence of God. And, and I sort of have sort of a message, but I really felt in my heart that I want to preach this thing until I feel something has shifted. That's what I feel this morning. I feel like there's, there's something. And you know, uh, what, what I'm really looking for, what I really sense God's looking for is, is, is a hunger within for what we're about to share. If, if all this does is I go home, that was great. That was a good thought. Well, that's a great Facebook post. That's a good Instagram handle. If that's all this produces, there's no point to it. What I'm really hoping for is just an urging on the inside of you that says, that is what I need. That is what I need. So the first point, if you're taking notes, the afterglow of the presence of God is power. In fact, I gave it away when I read Acts chapter 1 verse 8. It says, you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit or when the presence of God comes on you. You shall receive power. See, the, the purpose of the Holy Spirit is yes, to do all sorts of things, but one of the greatest purposes of the Holy Spirit is to reveal God's presence to you. You can only experience God's presence when you encounter the Spirit of God. You shall receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. In other words, when the Holy Spirit comes, He comes in power. 
I meet a lot of people that tell me, I, I want the Holy Spirit, but I'm not sure about the power thing. <laughs> I, I like the goosebump the Holy Spirit bring, brings, but, but I'm not sure about the power thing. Let me tell you, it's a package. <laughs> it's a package. Uh, it's like it's like it's like it's like burgers and chips. Like, why would you have burgers without chips? Why would you have chips without burgers? It's a package. When you, when the Holy Spirit comes, you shall. We're gonna have fun this morning. I feel the spirit of naughty is in the room. <laughs> you, when the Holy Spirit comes, you shall receive power. You shall receive power. In fact, First Corinthians chapter four twenty says, "For the kingdom of God is not in word, but in power." We need good preaching. Let me tell you, we need good preaching. I love articulate preaching. I love good writing. But the Bible clearly says it's not just good words. It's not just great posts. It's not just motivating uh, Insta posts that the kingdom of God is. The kingdom of God is not just words, but it's power. It's power. Church, we need to see the power of God. It, it, this is not a message that I'm saying you need the power. I need the power. We need the power. I need to see the power of God more in my life. I've been praying and I've been saying, God, I thank you for the miracles that's happened. And sometimes that can happen. You know how Facebook and things like that have a history? Memory seven years ago today, 14 years ago today, friend anniversary. Sometimes those things are great. But let me tell you, when the Holy Spirit comes right here, right now, we shall be filled with power. One of the indications of the presence of God is the presence of power. You might ask, why do we need power? That's a great question. My Lord, look at you. How smart you are. You're like, I get it, but why do I need power? Well, the answer lies in Luke chapter 6, verse 19. It says, the whole multitude sought to touch him. That's talking about Jesus. For power went out from him and healed them all. See, let me tell you, it's the power of God that heals people. It's the power of God that sets captives free. It's the power of God that opens blind eyes. It's the power of God that makes the lame walk. See, the difference about Jesus was that, was that there was power. There was power. Crystal, give me your hat. I know I should have asked you before. See, a lot of times I think what's happened in churches, I love swag, I love style, I love all that, but we think the swag can set the captives free. But when your family is going through cancer, you can be dressed up this way. <laughs> and if you got no power, nothing's going to work. <laughs> you can have the right kicks. You can wear the denim jacket. You can put on the, the hat or whatever. And I think sometimes I wonder what's happened in some of our faith that we think that's what faith is. If that is what faith is, firstly, I apologize I say, sorry, that is not what faith is. True faith, true presence is when the power of God comes, is when you lay your hands on the sick and they will recover in Jesus' name. Thank you so much, my demonstration man. But here's my point, church. A lot of times I, 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 when I look around, I love what's happening in the church and I love all the fun we have and I love it, all that. But at the end of the day, people are not coming to the house of God just to have a bit of fun, just to compare kicks, just to look at what the latest fashion is, just to look at what is trending. People come to the house of God because they want the power of God. They need the power of God. They need the power of God. When the Holy Spirit comes, you shall be filled with power. See, the Pharisees were great speakers. But the reason why people even considered listening to Jesus was not because of his articulation, but it was because of his demonstration. He moved in power. 
when you got around Jesus, there were things that shifted. There were changes that began to happen. Maybe you might ask, this whole thing about power can be a funny one because you're like, I mean, that's for the legends of the faith. That's for the big people that do all the big stuff on the stage. You know, I've been around men of God and I've found one common theme. I've interviewed men of God and I've said, 80 years of ministry, 50 years of ministry, all sorts of just incredible things that they've been a part of and people that they call powerful men, people that I've called powerful women. When I've interviewed them, there's one thing that I've heard them say. They've never felt powerful. It was never like they looked at themselves as powerful. And a lot of times I've had multiple conversations with people of the faith that have said to me one common thing, that anytime they obeyed, they access power. See, the key to power is not power. The key to power is obedience. And the reason why we're pursuing the presence of God is when you're in the presence of God, God's going to drop a thought. God's going to drop an idea. Like many years ago, for the Emsley family, it was tithe. It was, it was an idea. It was a concept. It doesn't make sense. For someone, it might be go on that trip. For someone, it might be come to camp. For someone, it might be just, it might be a one little thing. It might be, and you step out in faith and obedience And all of a sudden, that unlocks power. See, that which the world calls powerful, God calls obedience. The key to power is obedience. It's literally by saying, God, it does not make sense. It does not make sense to do that. It does not make sense to do that right now. I'm in the middle of a few things that I'm looking up to God. I'm like, I'm not sure if that fully makes sense. I'm not sure if that fully makes sense right now. It would have made sense then. It would have made sense here. But I'm not sure. But you know what? As you step out in obedience, heaven invades that space and power presents itself. When the Holy Spirit comes on you, you shall be filled with power. Here's the second thing that happens. And this is probably the one that I'm going to spend a lot of time with because I think it's deeper than we realize. The second thing that happens when the Spirit of God comes, uh, uh, when the presence of God comes, is authority. Authority. Mark chapter 122, it says, And they were astonished at his teachings, for he taught them as one having authority and not as the scribes. You notice they compared him? The scribes were not just bad people. They were religious people. They were preachers. They were teachers. But they said there was one difference about Jesus. It was not just the miracles. It was that the guy had authority. There was just something on his life that just had authority. And here's what I'm trying to say. What, what does that mean? There's a difference between power and authority. There are people that carry power, but there are people that don't understand authority. And they're both pretty important. Just because you have the ability, just because you have the gifting, just because you carry substance, it does not mean you have been authorized. The best example is this way. I've got a driver's license. Let's say I, I go into, into a, I'm on a mission trip. Now, this is all hypothetical situations because now that's like a far distant idea a century ago. But let's say I'm on a mission trip or you're on a mission trip and you can drive. You know you can drive. You've driven. You've done the hours. You've even gone to Hannaford for the youth camp. Like you have done the hours. You can drive. And you land in a country, but there are different countries that have got different rules. There are different countries that have got different authorities. And you might need to, if you just get, some places you can just rent a car and just start driving around, but there are certain countries where you need to what they call be authorized. You need to go into a certain office. You need to put in that license. And what is that license? That license is power. But power that is unauthorized is not power. It's not recognizable. 
And so you need to go into an office. You've got to put that card, that li- and that card, and on that card shows the years, the experience, the expiry, recognizes it, the country they're from, Australia, and, and, and they produce some sort of a document or some sort of registering they do, and then now you're authorized. So you've got to understand, we've got to carry power and authority. Let me tell you, if there's one thing that the church and Christians in general that I'm finding that the world is robbing from us, it's not our power, it's actually our authority. It's not our power. I don't think there's a power lack necessarily in church. I honestly think it's an authority lack. There's an authority lack. And and, and as I say this, this is going to drive this further. Check out what it says in Luke chapter 9 verse 1. Then he called his 12 disciples together and gave them what power and? See, power on its own was not good enough. He gave them authority over all demons and to cure diseases. I should be careful. Nowadays in church, we don't even talk about this sort of stuff. Like demons, what are they? <laughs> I thought they live in the VMAX <laughs> on the big screen. Let me tell you, church, this stuff's real. And I'm not trying to scare anybody, but we've got to understand this. I'm not, this is not a session on understanding that, but this is literally me saying you have an authority. Maybe some of the stuff you're, not facing, you're facing is not the fact that there's a bill that's spending. Maybe some of the stuff you're facing is not stress levels. Maybe some of the stuff you're facing is not offense. Maybe it's spiritual. Just maybe it's spiritual. Maybe. Maybe the fact that you're Christian and maybe you sort of worship Jesus with your spirit. Maybe it's spiritual, you reckon? Maybe it's spiritual. Maybe. The third row gets it, but I'm not sure the rest of us. Maybe it's spiritual. Could it be? Could we ask the question? Tomorrow as we wake up and we face some opposition. Now, I know some people that take everything. You know, they don't, they don't feel fuel. It's like the devil's a liar. <laughs> you know, he drained the fuel. No, go to the fuel station, fill fuel. You know, I'm, I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about a lot of us live on this end of the spectrum where we try to rationally understand everything. But I'm trying to, I'm trying to help you understand that there are forces at work. There, is, there are demons. There are strongholds. There are evil spirits. There are things that work not to scare you, but to tell you that But God has given you and I authority over all of that. But before we can even exercise our authority, we need to discern and understand. It's not good enough to know in theory that you've been authorized unless you recognize what's happening in our lives. You know, when I think about it, I've been spending some time this week as we've been in conference thinking about Downport Church. Thinking, you know, I don't know if you know this, this is not to say we're special or different, but we're a bit unique. And, and if I can be honest, over the years, I've tried to brush off some of the uniqueness. Let's just be a little, little good church. Everybody gets a bow tie. Everybody gets a cheesecake. Everybody gets a kiss on the cheek. Let, let's be that nice. But here's the thing, church. When I jump up, when I pray, it's like, it's crazy in my head. I do not know if it's my problem. But I start seeing cities, I start seeing nations, I start seeing stadiums, I start seeing, I, I, I'm just trying to, on one end, I'm just like trying to run this little, let's just be the little nice country church, you know, lemmingtons on the way out, you know, meat pies on the way in. But, 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 but something in me is just sort of like, no, 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 there's something, there's a unique DNA. Listen, I try to run, if I can be honest, I try to run away from it. But every time I do, God says, stay in your calling, stay in your lane, you're called to bring breakthrough. Let me tell you, if there's one thing on this house, it's a spirit a breakthrough. It's an anointing. It's a grace. And if it's on this house, it's on your house. It's on your house. And the problem I find is there are many in the church, and this includes me, when I'm in prayer, 
I'm like a lion. Yeah! Revival! Fill us up! Give me the city! Buildings upon buildings! Roaring like a lion. Roaring in worship. Roaring in tongues. One language doesn't work, pray in another language, whatever. And then you get an email from the council. 15 problems. And I go from roaring like a lion and meowing like a cat. <laughs> I'm praying, I'm roaring. The world will always pull you back to the cat level. And we do this all the time, church. Let me tell you, I'm not trying to make the, I'm not trying to make the world the enemy. I love the world. God so loved the world. We got to love these people. But sometimes people love us too much back into our childhood. People love us too, people love us too much back to our nappies. People love us too much back to our strongholds. People love us too Love us back to our limitations. When God is saying, no, go after it. Get that house. Start that business. Marry that person. Be planted in the house of God. Get into the word of God. Let's not lose our authority. You know, what, what really birthed this whole point was a conversation I had with one of our circle leaders. Just this week, I had a conversation with our circle leaders and and, and they were like, Pastor, do you remember? And he started, the, the person started playing out what happened. So this person was running a circle a couple of years back. We were doing the series called November Rain, if you remember. It was a breakthrough and all that sort of stuff. And he was just having a nice little KFC gathering at his home. And, and, and one thing led to another. He says, Jesus blesses. There was this person, new person there. They were not expecting this. Literally manifest demons. Holds the circle leader, drags the circle leader to the wall. And he had to make a choice between being a cat or a lion. And, and you know, praise God, the person was set free. This is happening in a home. This is not happening in church, right? And I'm listening there, listening to him like, man, what have I done? And I felt God say to me, what is on you is on your circle leaders. What is on you is on your church. Let me tell you, if you want to have a nice strawberry little Lemington life, this is not the place for you. But if you want to see breakthrough upon breakthrough, if you want to take some giants down, if you want to set the captives free, if you want to see some things for the glory of God, let me tell you, stay long enough and God will give you a giant to slay in Jesus' name. Stay long enough and God will bring the breakthrough that you need in Jesus' name. And I think so many times, I think when I think about the church, I feel like people are looking for hotels. What was the check-in like? Did they have a priority? Now, I know we're meeting in a hotel. <laughs> but let me tell you, this church ain't a hotel. The church is not called to be a hotel. It's called to be a hospital. Jesus said, for I've not come for the healthy. I've come for the unwell. I've come for those that need a physician. And can I say, when you're in a hospital, all sorts of things happen. People come with broken stuff. Broken body parts, things hanging off, things, issues, matters. But let me tell you, re the greater the issues you see before you, you've been anointed by God. I've come to realize any problem God comes my way is not a problem. It's an answer that God's put within me. Anything that comes, take this with you, downpour. Tomorrow when you go to work, anything that comes your way, it's not an obstacle. You've already been resourced by heaven with the answer within. And I feel... The church, you know, this is not any, I'm not 
pointing the finger at Christians. I think this is what the world has done. The church has forgotten who she is. The world wants good works, but doesn't want the good news. The world wants empathy, but says no to encounter. The world wants relief, but says no to revival. The world wants customer service, but not to consecrated surrender. The world wants a hotel, but God is calling us to be a hospital. Are you with me, Downpour Church? See, we cannot be reminded of who the world is. That's why we need the presence of God, because when I'm meowing at the world and I go into the presence of God, God says, look up. Look up one more time, Alwyn. Lift up your eyes to the hills. Where does your help come from? Where does your identity come from? Where does your authority come from? Where does your anointing come from? Where does your grace come from? From the Lord, the creator of the heavens and the earth. Number three, the third thing that happens in the presence of God is boldness. Boldness, sort of interlinks with the previous one, but boldness. Acts chapter 4, verse 31, it says, after this prayer, the meeting place shook. This is why you got to be here Wednesday night. I believe God's going to shake this hotel, make it a hospital. The meeting place shook, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. Then they preached the word of God with boldness. Notice again, when the Spirit of God came, when the presence of God came, they did not just Instagram it, they spoke with boldness. There was something in them that no one educated them. Five ways to share the gospel with your neighbor. No, it was just sort of like they were just in the anointing and they just, the boldness just sprang out. And can I say, I, I, I need to be honest. I remember when we were starting downpour, I would invite everybody to downpour. But recently as I've been praying, God's like, do you remember the time when everybody was a candidate? And now I'm finding myself once again in coffee shops and you know, talking to people about church, talking to people about Jesus, talking to people. It's like, what happened there? What happened there? Because when the Holy Spirit comes, you will be filled with boldness. Downport church, don't be ashamed of who you are and what you carry. That is what the world needs. The world needs the gospel, and that gospel is going to be communicated through you and my boldness in Jesus' name. Boldness, boldness, boldness. And I believe on Wednesday, we're going to have an incredible time as we come together as a church. I want to pray for people, people that are not filled in the Holy Spirit. I believe Wednesday, you're going to be filled. Just be there. I believe it's going to be powerful. But check out what it says in 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 12. Therefore, since we have such a hope. Now, we learned, we learned the word hope is not the word hope. We learned the word hope is imagination. Since we have such an imagination, we are bold. Since we have such an imagination, we are bold. You know who wrote that? Paul wrote that. You know where he wrote it? He wrote it in a prison cell. Do you know, when they captured Paul, they had to learn a few things. They learned that if they had a jailer with Paul, and the, what, what they would do to Paul was they would tie him up. They would tie his hands, they would tie his feet, uh, just because they would not want him to clap. They would not want him to sing. They just want to try to paralyze the guy. And what they would do is, and, and sometimes angels would come and break him out. So then what they had to do is they had to tie, they had to chain another, uh, not a prisoner, but another jailer, one of their guards, to Paul. So I want you to picture the scene. Paul's in jail. This Roman guard who doesn't want to be there is next to him. But then they found out that when they would put people tethered to Paul, they would get saved. And then the angel would come and save Paul and the prisoner uh, and, and, and the guard. Are you with me? So then they somehow worked it out and they said, Every four hours, we've got to change the guy who's with him. Because they worked it out that Paul just needs four hours with a person to see them come to Christ. So now the whole prison system, imagine this, 
working around Paul. Paul's here. This guy's here. Hearing a bit of the gospel. Okay, shift this turn. Can you imagine the fear, the urgency? Can I propose to you that it wasn't Paul that was in jail? It was the jail that was in jail. It was the guards that were in jail. It was the Roman Empire that was in jail. They had to build a whole system around Paul. And that's what Paul says, since we have such a hope, we are bold. I want you to know whatever you're tied to, whatever life is trying to tether you to, whatever bondage, whatever affliction, whatever situation, I want you to know that God's given you authority. It may feel like you're tied to it, but it's perhaps because God has a purpose and a plan for you to share the good news, for you to share the gospel, for you to touch that life, to change that person in Jesus' name. Nothing's going to stop us. What can separate us from the love of Christ? Can sickness, can famine, can trial, can temptation? Nothing can separate us from the love of Christ. When the Holy Spirit comes, we will be filled with boldness. Heavenly boldness. Heavenly boldness. It's heavenly boldness that makes you apply for a job that you're not qualified for. It's heavenly boldness that makes you start that business that you don't have the infrastructure yet for. It's heavenly boldness that causes you to share the gospel. It's heavenly boldness that makes you start that circle. Come on. It's heavenly boldness that gets you going. It's that I'm not sure, but what I've experienced, the presence of God that's come on me, it's so amazing that I've got to do something about it. It's a stirring. It's, a, it's heavenly boldness that would put a dream in a 14-year-old to believe that a nation can be saved. It's heavenly boldness for somebody to start a church. It's heavenly boldness to start another service. It's heavenly boldness to get another building. It's heavenly boldness. It's heavenly boldness is why you're here this morning in this room. It's heavenly boldness. And I want to encourage you this morning and say, let's be recipients of the presence of God. And let's position ourselves for power, authority, and boldness. What is it that, who is that person you need to have a bold conversation with? What is that thing you need to approach with boldness? What is the thing that's holding you back that you need to step into? God saying, I've graced you. You've got this. You've got this. You've got this, girl. You've got this. You've got this. Don't wait for something else. You've got this. It's in you. Jesus said, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me. He was not waiting for another spirit. He said, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me. He's anointed me. And I want to say that over you. His spirit is upon you as you position yourself under the presence of God. Downport Church, believe this this morning, that his spirit will come upon you in a fresh way. And his spirit will anoint you. And it's not just to make you feel good or make you feel nice. His spirit is going to come upon you to touch the people around you. It's a spirit of boldness that caused me at 15 to approach a Muslim friend in a Muslim school, in a Muslim nation. And say, can I lay hands on you? Can I pray for you? I was so scared. Let me tell you, I was so scared. But as I lay hands, I still remember how I prayed. It was just like, God, you told me to pray for him, so I'm praying for him in Jesus' name. That was my prayer. But you know what? The whole thing changed when he started yelling. And my next question was, did it get worse? And he said, the pain's completely gone. For the next two weeks, I had an altar call right at my desk in school. It's boldness when the Spirit of God comes upon you. You will see things, you will do things that you never thought you would do, that you never thought you can do. Why don't we stand up right now? Why don't we see God fill us with your presence, fill us with your power.
Fill us, fill us with your authority. What is it that's in your world that has tried to take captive over you? Fill me, Lord. Fill me, Lord. Fill me, Lord. Fill me, Lord. Fill me with your presence. Father, we worship you right now. We thank you, God, that you're here, Lord, from the front to the back. I pray for a church that will walk in boldness. I pray for a church that will walk in authority, that will walk in power. I pray for a church that will walk in your anointing, that will walk in your grace. I pray for a church, Lord, that you see. Lord, you're calling us to rise up. You're calling us to a new place. Lord, I pray right now for people as they're pursuing you in fasting and praying and seeking you, Lord. I thank you, God, that you will answer. You will answer. You will answer. You will answer. I thank you, Jesus. I thank you, Jesus.